is the final week in the book of Jonah exploring the heart of God. And we've talked about how we run from God, but God runs after us. We've talked about what it looks like to return uh, to God when we have wandered away from God. And we've talked about uh, last week what it like, looks like to speak to others the heart of God. And, and the book of Jonah is a great book. I love this book. This is, a, this is a book that if you are somebody that has grown up in the church or maybe you've read the Bible or, or you've been familiar with God, exposed to God, like the whole Christian Jesus stuff isn't really new to you. It's something that you have kind of been around or know about, this book is written to people like that. It's written to people that are the most familiar, most kind of used to the things of God. But the book says that those of us that are like that, the most familiar with God, are actually most in danger of wandering away from God. That those of us that have grown up in the church or read the Bibles or been involved or worn the bracelets or went to the school or all of that stuff, we are actually the ones most in danger, like Jonah, of wandering away from God, of running away from God, of actually not knowing who God is, of missing the heart of God. That, that is what this book teaches us. It's a book that is for everybody, but it's written especially to confront the religious person. It's written especially to confront those of us that find ourselves very familiar with the things of God. It's written. It's a book that is very confrontational, written to get in your face if you are somebody that has a church background, that's a religious person. And specifically, it's written to confront the heart, not just the actions, not just disobedience of things that we don't do, but the heart of where our hearts don't line up with God's heart. This chapter that we are in, the final chapter, what we see is that Jonah had actually obeyed God. He did exactly what God asked him to do. Now, he didn't do that at first, but in this next uh, chapter, he had done exactly what God told him to do. He gets spit out of the whale. God says, go to Nineveh, talk to them, tell them what I want you to tell them, and Jonah does it. He obeys God, but God's not done yet. There's still more that God wants to confront in Jonah's heart. That Jonah had obeyed, he had done exactly what God told him to do, but God wasn't done with him yet. And maybe this is where you find yourself, that you say, I obey God, I do what God asks me to do, I do the things that he wants me to do, but God would say, I'm not done with you yet. I want more for you than just to obey me. And God wants more for us than just to obey him. God is after our hearts. I was talking to somebody this week who um, doesn't like their job, and their job is rough. And they do their job, they go to work, they show up every day, and they clock in, they clock out, and they work hard, and they do what they are supposed to do, but their heart's not in it. They don't enjoy it. And the Christian life can be like that. We can actually say, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to show up. I'm going to obey. I'm going to... But there's no joy in it. And God doesn't want that for us. God wants more for us than just to do the things that he says, and that's why... In this passage, even though Jonah had obeyed God, even though Jonah had done exactly what God asked him to do, God says, I'm not done because I want more. I want your heart because I want your joy and I want more for you than just going through life and doing the right things. I want more. I want your heart. And so in order for God to get at Jonah's heart, and really this is the climax of the whole book. This is what everything has been working towards. This is what the book is about In order for Jonah to have a heart change, God wanted to show him two different things. He wanted to show him something about his heart. God wanted to show Jonah something about God's heart. And he wanted to show Jonah something 
about his heart. And if we get these things, if we see these things like Jonah, it changes everything. It helps us move out of a joyless existence and a burdened existence and a bitter existence and kind of just going through the motions and doing what we're supposed to. It helps us move out of that and into a place where it uncovers for us a life of joy and the key to being able to actually have God's heart and delight in God's heart. So this is the final chapter of Jonah. We will read this together. Jonah 4, it says this, But it displeased Jonah. That, that, if you weren't here last week, is Jonah preaches to Nineveh, and they all say, okay, we're repenting. We're going to follow you. You would think, man, that's success. That's like, if you're a prophet, if you're a preacher, and everybody, you say, hey, here's what God wants you to do, and everybody does it, that's a good day. But for Jonah, it displeased him exceedingly. Something's wrong with his heart. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and he said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. He says, I knew that you were like this. I knew you would save them. I knew you would be gracious to them. I knew you would be kind to them. And that's not what I wanted you to do. That's why I left in the first place. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city, and he made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he would see what would become of the city. So he leaves Nineveh, he goes up on a hill, he makes a booth for himself, and he's sitting there. And he's waiting, hoping that God will actually change his mind and destroy Nineveh. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. So Jonah's sitting there, and God causes this plant to grow up and give him shade, and Jonah's like, this is awesome. And then God sends a worm, and the worm eats the whole thing. And Jonah goes, this is not awesome. And then God sends a hot wind. It's like a blow dryer on his face, and he is not happy. And he asked, this is the second time, that he might die. And said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh? That great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left. And also, much cattle. It's like, God cares about steak, you know, or or the opposite, I guess, maybe. This final, that's the end. And it ends with a question. It ends with a question. I love that. And the reason it ends with a question, the reason the book of Jonah ends with a question is because the whole book is written to us. It's a question to us. It's a question to confront us with the same things that God confronted Jonah with, to confront our hearts, not just our disobedience, but our hearts. 
And so it ends with a question to say, what's our answer to the question going to be? God wants to confront our hearts. And to do that, he shows Jonah two things that we'll look at. He shows him his heart, and he shows Jonah, Jonah's heart. And so here's the first thing. What does God want to show us about his heart? What does God want to show Jonah? God wants to say, Jonah, I need you to see, if, if there's going to be any change, you need to see something about my heart. And what is it that God wanted Jonah to see about his heart? I love the method that God uses for this. I love the way God lets Jonah see his heart. I love it. Because it's very different. A lot of times we think of, hey, if, if God wanted to show us his heart, maybe he would come to us and say, hey, I love you so much, and I care for you so much, and don't you see how important you are to me? And, and you know, how there's even like cheesy sort of Christian things. How much does Jesus love you? He loves you this much, you know, to like say on the cross and that kind of thing. And, um, and I'm not, you know, that is how much he loves us, but I'm just saying that's not what Jesus was doing when he was up there. He was dying. And the, but we think of when, when God is going to communicate his love to us, that he'll tell us, look how much I love you, look how much I love you. But I love how he does it here. I love this, and maybe this is just me, but I resonate with it. Instead, what he does is he goes, Jonah, what, what pisses you off? What bothers you? What annoys you? See, he creates this whole plant for him, and he, he gets Jonah to this point where he's really bothered, and then says, that's what my love is. But I love this method. And so I was trying to think, man, what annoys me? that would tell me what God's heart is like? What annoys me? What bothers me? That would help me actually to understand something about God's heart. And I'm at this coffee shop and I'm working and I'm trying to think, what, what, what annoys me? What's a good illustration? And there's this guy in front of me about five feet that is talking as loud as you've ever heard anybody talk. And he is talking and I'm, and I'm like, gosh, what? I can't concentrate. What annoys me? And then I look at him. I'm like, you, I didn't say this, but you just made the sermon. This is amazing. I wanted to video him so I could show it to you. But he is going on and on and on, and I, I heard the whole conversation. He's uh, in alternative energy, and he's got this, uh, I think it was a $1.2 million proposal coming up at 4.30, and him and his partner Steve are in a joint venture together, and they'll each uh, make $300,000 if it, and I don't want to give away too much because you might know him, but you know, he was like, hey, my name is John Silverwood, and we are going to make this happen, and that's not really what his name is, but he is just going on and on and on and loud loud, like very, like I thought he had one of these loud. He's going on and on. And I got to the point of just, oh my gosh, I want to show him how loud he's being. So I pulled out my phone and I was, I opened it to my wife and I was going to call my wife and be like, hey, Sarah, how's it going? You know, just because I wanted him. <laughs> I didn't do that mainly because I thought Sarah would have been like, what is wrong with you? And <laughs> hung up on me. But he was talking forever. Like, I, I counted, it was at least 40 minutes, like I, longer than I've ever seen any guy talk on the phone. His mom loves him, I'm sure, but nobody else. And so, it got, and I, I was very annoyed, and I was agitated, and I was thinking about how is there a way I could buy a website that could counter his business? Is there a way I could, like, take over his proposal? Is there, like, and all, I mean, I'm just, I was annoyed, and I was like, this is perfect. I'm so annoyed right now. And maybe for you that doesn't resonate. Maybe other things annoy you. So let me just, I was looking at kind of the top things that annoy people. So here's some other things that annoy people. If you don't, if maybe you are a loud talker in a coffee shop and you're like, who cares about that? Here's some other things. This is something that annoys some people. Some of you are like, what's wrong with that? It's convenient. Or this, this happens to me all the time. Uh, you will bash your toe on the corner of the bed. Um, I, you know, maybe you have small feet and you're safe. Uh, this is scotch tape. Spend several long minutes trying to rectify this. 
or I love this, adding people to Facebook groups without their permission. I don't care about your Jamberry Raps, Jen. <laughs> and if you've just done that, now you feel bad, and you should. And then there's this. Uh, I, this is one of my favorites. Uh, click of people walking in a horizontal line that practically devours the entire sidewalk and are somehow entirely oblivious to the fact they're doing so or just don't care. Uh, I, I, I love it when people are just like, hey, w- this sidewalk was made for us, and it's great. Or this final one, last second merger. You see this guy just going down, down. Some of you are, that's my, how'd you get a picture of me doing that? I wish I could zoom in on the license plate, you know, it was somebody. So this is what God's method is. I love that. Because what happens when you get annoyed? What happens when you get, even when you saw those pictures, some of you are like, oh, 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 and you can kind of feel it, right? And I told the story about that guy with me because literally, I mean, I'm physically hurting. My ears are hurting. My head is hurting because uh, it really was 40 minutes. That's no exaggeration. And, I'm, and I was just in pain and feeling like, you know, I was kind of letting myself do it for the sake of an illustration. But I was feeling creative things of how could I stop this person? And that's what happens when we get annoyed. That's what happens when you get frustrated. I mean, if you've ever seen a guy like merge in, you know, do that, some of you probably thought, man, I'm going to open my door. I'm going to get as close to, you know, you try to, you, you start getting passionate. You feel it in your gut when you get annoyed, right? When you get annoyed, when you get bothered, when you get frustrated, you feel it in your gut and you start thinking things and you, it emotionally affects you. It may physically affect you when you get frustrated, when you get annoyed. And I love that that's God's method because what God does is he says, Jonah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you to a place where you're really annoyed. And if some of you like me hate the heat, you feel what Jonah felt right there. You're like, I want to die right now. It's so hot, it's so windy, this is awful. And God goes, you, you feel that? That's how much I love Nineveh. Your anger, your frustration, your annoyance that creates planning, that creates emotion, that creates physical uh, effects on your body. God says, that is how much I care about Nineveh. That's how much I care about 120,000 people. That's how much I care. That's how much I love. That God doesn't say, look at your love, and my love's bigger than that love. He says, look at your annoyance. Look at your frustration. Look at your irritation. When you feel that, you're getting close to experiencing how much I love, how much I care, how much my heart is affected by people that don't know me, that I want to save. I love that. I love how God lets Jonah in on his heart. But this is important. Catch this. He knows that for Jonah's heart to change, he knows that for Jonah's heart to actually change, he can't just tell him his heart. He didn't just say, Jonah, what annoys you, and this is what annoys you. Well, guess what? That's how much I love people. That's how much I love Nineveh. That's how much, that's, he doesn't just tell him. He doesn't just tell Jonah a story. He, he knows that Jonah needs to move from just knowing something to experiencing Something And this is so important. This is the key to change in all of our lives. That what God knows is that Jonah needs not just to know something, but to experience it, to feel it, to have it affect him in an experiential way. See, Jonah already knew these things, right? 
Jonah already Jonah's the one that tells God, I know what you're like. You're a God that's gracious. You're a God that's merciful. You're a God that is abounding in steadfast love. You're a God that relents from disaster. Jonah knows it already. But those truths about God's grace and his mercy and his slowness to anger, his patience, his abounding and steadfast love, Jonah knew it. But he hadn't experienced it in this time, in this moment. And God knew, and it's true for us, that change comes. Change comes not just from knowing things, but when we taste it, when we experience it. There's an old theologian that used to compare this truth with God, and he would say that there's a difference between knowing that honey is sweet and tasting that honey is sweet. You can know all the truths about God. You can know what he's like, you, just like Jonah did. You can know it all, but there's a difference between knowing it and tasting it, between experiencing it. And change comes when we experience it. Change comes when we experience the truth about God. And, and God knew this, which is why he brought Jonah to this place. Let me, let me help us just continue to understand this a little bit. This, this is um, these Cinnabon cinnamon rolls that you've had these. These are delicious, right? We had these at community group uh, this week. So if you're a part of our group and you missed, that's your, uh, that's your fault. Um, and these were amazing. These, were, these, were, these are delicious, right? And you can see this. And you can, by the way, when I was searching for this picture, I also saw this, which this is a uh, cinnamon roll ice cream sandwich, which tells you everything wrong in our country. So <laughs> that's all you need to see to, know, to understand everything that's wrong in our world. But this is what we had. And you can see this picture, right? And you can know something. You can know something about, oh, those are good. I've had those before. And, and you can think about it and know a little bit about it. But I guarantee you there's a huge difference between knowing that and a community group taking your fork into the soft, gooey frosting and actually tasting it which I'm gluten-free, and I still did that, a little bite, you know, it was worth it, to just taste it, to taste a little bit of it, so good, and this is true in our spiritual life, God knows that for us to actually change, we can't just know things, we can't just know that Cinnabon, cinnamon roll things are sweet, that we have to actually experience it, look at how God does that, that's true with so many things in life. If you want kids to really know something, you don't just tell it to them. You give them an object lesson. You have them experience it. If you want someone to know that you really love them, you don't just say you love them, although you should, but you might go on a romantic dinner or take them on a trip or give them, you do something so they experience your love. God wants Jonah to see stuff about God's heart. God wants Jonah to see stuff about God's heart, and he knows that for change to actually happen, look, this is so true for you and me, if, if change is actually going to happen, it won't come just as you know things, but experience them, taste them. See, because like, like Jonah, you know this, this is what Jonah said. He says, I know, I knew, I already knew these facts, I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful. I knew that you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I knew that you're a God that relents from disaster. Do you know those things? If you're a Christian, this is why I said this. If you're a Christian, if you're a church person, if you grew up in the church, if you've read the Bible, if you've been involved, if you went to Christian school, if you, and maybe you didn't, and that's great. I actually do think you have a leg up. But if you know these things and you've been familiar with these things and you've been around these things for your life, 
You already know this. This isn't anything new to you. This is in the oldest creeds in the book. You know this stuff. And like Jonah, we know it. But there's a big difference between knowing it and tasting it. See, whatever you're going through in your life right now, what if you really believe that God is a God that is abounding in steadfast love to you? What if whatever you're facing in your life, you were currently tasting God abounds in steadfast love to me. His love is with me and he is abounding instead. He loves me as much as I am frustrated by the loud God. God viscerally is affected with love for me as much as I hate people merging into lanes at the last second. God loves me like that. He's abounding in that kind of love for me. What if you actually tasted that? For those of you struggling with guilt or shame, what if you really believed and tasted God's grace? And you knew God is gracious to me. This week was bad. Man, I've blown it. I've done some stuff, but I taste God's grace to me, God's mercy to me. What if you believe that God was for you in this way, that he is a God that is patient and slow to anger? So many of us feel like we're always on the edge and God's always just kind of got arms folded because maybe that's how our father was or other people in our life. And we always feel like God's got this kind of frown of disappointment. You might be able to say that God loves you, but does, do you believe that God delights in you? Do you believe that God takes pleasure in you? And the Bible actually says that God sings over us. What if you actually believed he was slow to anger? Which means, yeah, we, we, we mess it up. Yeah, we do things. Yeah, we, but God is, he is so patient and tender and gentle. You see, you know this, but what if you tasted those things? God knew that for Jonah, for us, in order to experience change, we can't just know things. We have to experience them. We have to see his heart. This is why God says, look, Jonah, I want you to see my heart. If your heart is ever going to change, Jonah, I want you to see my heart and feel it and experience it and taste how much I love you, and how much I love Nineveh, how much I'm for them. Do you see God's heart? Do you taste God's heart? Do you taste God's character? Do you taste what God has done for you? Look, if you ever want to move past a religious spirit that says, I will obey, but you lack joy, if you ever want to move past that, if you ever want to have purpose in your life and feel like, man, this is what I'm made for, you got to taste. And for Jonah... God knew he needed to taste, he needed to experience his heart. But that's not it. He also knew that he needed to see his own heart. And so for us, what does God want to show us about our heart? You see, this book is written to confront the religious heart, the heart that's familiar with God. It's written to say, you need to see something about God that you miss. You think you know it because you're familiar with it. You think, just like Jonah, that you already know it, but, but you're missing it. This book is written to confront the religious heart. It's written to also confront our hearts to say, look, you think you understand your own heart, but you don't. You're missing your own heart. And he wants Jonah to experience his own heart. You know what God does? I love this. 
God asks him questions three different times in this passage. He asks him questions. See, God could have preached to him. God could have come to Jonah and said, Jonah, look, here's what's wrong with your heart. And he could have just laid it all out and he could have given him a sermon. And that's not bad. I'm not against sermons. That would be ironic. Um, But what he does, instead of preaching to him, is he asks him questions. He asks him questions. Do you do well to be angry? Do you do well to be angry twice? And then third, he says, look at the plant, Jonah. Should I not care about Nineveh the way you care about the plant? Should I not care? And it ends, question mark. It ends. Look, most change that I've experienced in my life or that I've seen happen in other people's lives comes as we are willing to honestly confront our own hearts. If we're not willing to honestly confront our own hearts, we won't change. I had a professor that, that says always that if they, talking about uh, counseling, you know, if they, someone you're counseling, if they don't say it, it's not real. Meaning if you just tell them, here's your problem, then they might listen to it and they might go, okay. But if they don't say it, it's not real. And this is what God is doing. He's asking questions because he wants Jonah to look at his own heart. He wants Jonah to examine his own heart. He wants Jonah to confront his own heart because real change comes as we will look at our own heart. Any change I've ever seen in people's lives comes when they get past the fear of going, no, that's not there. No, I don't think that's what the issue is. No, it couldn't possibly be that. All change I've ever seen comes when people go, this might look ugly, but I'm going to look at it. And Jonah refused. God asks him, do you do well to be angry? And Jonah says, yes. I don't want to look at maybe whatever issue would be there that's causing me to be angry. Do you do well to be angry? Yes, angry enough to die. He won't look. God keeps going because he wants Jonah to examine his heart. He wants Jonah to see his heart. Because if we are to change, we have to see God's heart. But we also have to see honestly our own heart. We have to allow God to confront our own heart. Look, sometimes you might be somebody that comes here every Sunday or most Sundays, and you're here and and you hear things all the time. and, And maybe you're always thinking about somebody else. Oh, this would be great for them to hear. This would be really good for them to hear. Or you hear something, and it might sort of hit you in a little bit of a way, but you go, I don't really want to look at that. I don't really want to examine that. And God says, look, if there's ever going to be change that happens in your life, you've got to be willing to confront your own heart if you ever want to actually experience joy. And actually not just go through life doing the motions, even if they are obedient, but want to go, man, I, I actually have God's heart and I obey because I want to and I love him. And you've got to be willing to confront your heart. And here's the key. Here, here's the key for the religious heart. This is what was happening with Jonah and it's what happens with us. Here, here's what was happening in Jonah's heart. And here's what happens in our heart. We don't want to share what we've been given. That's it. We don't want to share what we've been given. We love to receive from God. We love it. Nobody doesn't like to receive good things from God. We love to receive from God. We love the good that God does in our life. We love the love that we get from God, the comfort we get from God, the peace we get from God, and the forgiveness we get from God. We, we love to receive from God. But the key issue that Jonah had, the key issue of the person that's even been around God and familiar with all the good that God does, 
We love to receive, but we don't want to give when it's not on our terms. We might give if it fits with who we want to give to, what race we want to give to, what nationality we want to give to, what kind of age group we want to give to, what personality type. It's like, okay, if it fits with my terms, when, who, where, then great. But the key with the religious heart is we don't want to share what we've been given. If it fits nicely with what we already want to do and who we already want to do it, great. But if it doesn't, we don't want it. We don't want to give what we've been given. We don't want to share what we've been given. But, but, the key, but this is what God wants to do. God wants, God wants to work in you so he can work through you. Whatever God does to us, he wants to do through us. Whatever God does for us, he wants to do from us. That's how God works. God says, Jonah, I give you grace. That way you will be gracious. But Jonah said, I love this grace. Thanks for saving me from the whale. I give you mercy so that you'll be merciful to people. Man, I love that you didn't just kill me when I was disobeying you, God. But mercy for them? No. God says, I'm slow to anger with you, Jonah. You don't get it, bro. You don't get it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be patient with you. I'm going to keep helping you, even though you don't get it. And Jonah goes, this is awesome. I'm so glad that you were patient to me. And then Jonah looks at Nineveh and goes, they've had their chance. Wipe them out. And Jonah experiences forgiveness and grace and mercy and relenting from disaster and all these beautiful things about God, but he doesn't want to share it. And that's the key to the religious heart. That's the key that God wants us to see about our own hearts. See, maybe you don't think you're like that, but think about some of these things. About forgiveness. Do you rejoice in the fact that God has forgiven you? You might, and some of you, you know, you look at your past and you go, man, man, I'm, I'm thankful that God has forgiven me. I, I've done some stuff and I'm so thankful God has forgiven me. And yet, aren't there people that have wronged you? Jesus tells a story about this. I won't go into the whole thing because it would be another sermon, but, but of the person that's forgiven and, and then goes out and finds the one that owes them a debt and wants to strangle them. Don't we sometimes rejoice that God's forgiven us and then yet when people wrong us, we let bitterness grow up? How dare they wrong me? Don't they know? Don't they see what they've done? Don't they see the hurt they've caused me? Don't they see? And, and yet we love that God would forgive us of whatever it is that we go through. We love and rejoice that God is patient with us. I love this story about Jonah because I feel like Jonah all the time where it's like, man, God has to keep reminding me, keep showing me, keep saying things to me. And I love that God is like that. I love it. That God is just continually patient. It's like, oh, you don't get it? It's okay, let's go again. Oh, you don't get it? Okay, let's go. Okay, you're stupid. Let's go again. Okay, let's go again. I love that. But when I'm around someone like that, oh my gosh, I want to shoot them. Be like, you don't get it? Okay, okay, now you get it, right? Do you get it now? No? Okay. And God is just gracious and patient and slow. I love that. We've received forgiveness, but sometimes don't want to forgive. We've received God's patience, and sometimes we don't want to be patient. Or what about this? Maybe you moved to Denver, and you prayed that God would give you friends. You pray that God would give you friends and you wanted, you were lonely and you wanted people to be in your life and to be around you and you maybe even came to church and people reached out to you and people gave you friendship and you went, this is awesome. 
And now there's other people, but you've already formed friends and you don't want to give what God's given to you. You love that God gave you friends because you prayed for them. You love that God gave you people because you were new to the city and you didn't know anybody. And you go, God, this is so awesome. I was hoping for a church that would give me friends. And yet every single week, there's people that come in our doors that are looking for friends. And you go, well, I've already got mine. Hopefully they can find some. I'll pray for them. But we forget. Or maybe you pray that God would give you a job. Maybe you're struggling in your finances or Maybe you were out of college and weren't sure what job you were going to get or whatever, and you prayed that God would give you a job and bless you and provide for you, and he did. And you've got money, but you're not generous. God provided for you, and he gave you the stuff that you asked for. He gave you the finances that you asked for, and yet your heart is stingy. You don't give like God calls you to give. See, Jonah's not so different from us, is he? The key to the religious heart is this. We want to receive from God. And we love it. We, we will bask in it all day long. God, just slather me up with your blessings. I love it. But we don't want to give it. We don't want to be a part of what God is doing. But yet, the way God works is whatever he does to us, he wants to do through us. Whatever he does for us, he wants to do from us. That's how God works in the world. That's how he was working with Jonah. And the big one, the big one that we see with Jonah here is this, that Jonah didn't care about other people being saved. Look, if you're a Christian, and if you're not a Christian, man, we're so glad that you are here, because this is God's heart for you. All these things that maybe you haven't even received, actually, from other Christians. And you go, you're telling about this God, but that's not what these people are like. If you're not a Christian, this is what God is like, but, but this is the big one. See, Jonah loved that he was saved. Jonah loved that he was a part of God's family. Jonah loved it. But he didn't want to be a part of God bringing other people into his family. And come on, aren't we like that? If you're a Christian, don't you love the fact that you're a Christian? Don't you love the fact that you're saved, that, that you know Jesus, that you've got family, that you've got life with him? That, that, I mean, don't you love the fact that, man, I know Jesus, I'm saved. We might care more about the fact that we lose our Wi-Fi connection than that people are losing their salvation. Might care more about the fact that you're starting to lose your hairline than that people are dying without Jesus. That's what God says to Jonah. He says, look, look how much you care about losing this plant. But Jonah, don't you remember that I saved you? I brought you into my family? Don't you, don't you see that that's my heart for you, but also to be done through you? This is the heart of the religious person that we want to receive from God, but not to share what God gives. But God says, look, there's people that need my love. There's people that need my compassion. There's people that need my grace and my mercy. And there's people that need community. And there's people that need friendship. And there's people that need change. God wants our hearts. God wants our hearts, and he knows that in order for our hearts to align with his, that he has to often confront us with where our hearts really are. You think it was comfortable for Jonah in the moment when God is asking him, do you do well to be angry? Do you do well to be angry? Shade, dead, wind. That's not comfortable. 
Maybe you don't feel comfortable right now. Maybe you feel like God is confronting you, and that's what the book is for. That's why it ends with a question. To say, so what's the response going to be? You've been confronted as Jonah was, and then what's the response going to be? It doesn't tell us what Jonah's response was. It leaves it hanging so that we can answer it. Will we have God's heart? God knows this. Are you willing to look at your heart? Are you willing to look at your heart? Or even as I went through all that list about generosity and forgiveness and giving friendship to people, even as I went through all that list and, and, and actually caring about people being saved, even as I went through that list, was it easy for you to go, that's not me? Are you willing to look at your heart? God knows how numb we can be to knowing facts. So he wants us to see who he is, and he wants us to see who we are. And here's the thing also, just so you know, oftentimes we have to suffer for this to happen. Like it would be great if, if we could go, hey, I really want to get this. I really want to see who God is and experience who he is. So God, let me experience it. Just like Jonah did, let me experience it. I don't want to just know it. I want to experience it. And what we want is like a dream or a, a big hug of like, oh, I feel a hug. Where'd that come from? Oh, it's God. It's a God hug. We want to experience it like that or with blessings and gifts. And, oh, now I know how good you are. But God knew that Jonah needed to be confronted and Jonah needed to experience it. And oftentimes the way God does that, because we are numb, is we have to suffer. We have to struggle. I would just say to you, man, if you're going through something hard, if you're going through something difficult, don't waste that. Allow God to use that to be the experience that helps you see his character. Allow him to use that to be the experience that lets you see your own heart. Because God's trying to do something good. He's trying to bring about something good in you that can only happen through this. <clears throat> so maybe like Jonah, you've obeyed God. You've done what God's at. Maybe like Jonah, you've, you're familiar with God. But like Jonah, you're angry, bitter, numb, don't really like life, isolated even. This story tells us that God has so much more for you than that. God wants such, I mean, God has so much better joy for you than that. That what God wants for you to experience is really his heart. And that comes as we are willing to look at our heart and see his heart. And finally is this, what does it look like to live with God's heart? What if, what if everything that God did to us actually went through us? Can, I mean, just think about that. What if, what if all the good that God did to us, for us, actually did go through us? Wouldn't that be amazing? Like all the ways that you've gone, man, God, this is so good. I mean, what's your favorite thing about God, you know? And you're like, man, that's so awesome about God. What have been the things about God that you've enjoyed in your life? What have been the prayers that God has answered in your life? What have been the things that you've really seen God show up for you in? And you go, man, that's great. What if all that God has done to us really did go through us? What, what would it look like to live with God's heart where there wasn't our heart, and God's heart, but they were really aligned. What if we really did share God's heart? That's what he's after. That's what he's trying to do in Jonah. 
He's not done with Jonah, even though Jonah obeyed. And even though Jonah sinned. Even though Jonah sinned, he's not done with him. Even though Jonah obeyed, he's not done with him. Because he wants his heart. And what if our hearts were really aligned with God's? I was reminded this week about a woman named Lottie Moon, who was a a missionary a, a little over 100 years ago to China. And she had this amazing life where she uh, wanted to be married and she was uh, proposed to but actually denied it to go to the mission field because she knew she couldn't go over there with him and, um, and that she needed to do this alone because just different circumstances. And she, so she actually forsook that to be able to go do this. And she loved China. She cared about the people of China to see them come to know Jesus. And obviously, you know, at that time, China wasn't this, you know, mega business center. It was way more rural and way more hard and way more difficult. And she knew, man, I want to go there. And there was a big famine and sickness and all sorts of crazy stuff going on there. And, you know, as a lot of times uh, today in the world, missionaries don't often have a lot of money. And there wasn't money, that much money coming into her, but she wanted to love those people and care for those people and see those people come to know Jesus. And she ended up giving her food and her money to the point that she actually died of starvation. She was 50 pounds when they brought her back to America. She literally poured out her life for those people, and she literally died for those people. And, And here's a couple of things that she said. She said, should we not press it home upon our consciences. That's that experience part. Should we not press it home upon our consciences that the sole object of our conversion was not the salvation of our own souls, but that we might become co-workers with our Lord and Master in the conversion of the world? She says, look, don't we know? This is exactly what Jonah's about. Don't we know God didn't just save us for us, but to do something through us? And I love, she says this, I would have, I would, I, I, she says, I wish I had. I, I, I would, I had a thousand lives that I might give them to China. See, that is what it looks like to live with the heart of God. And, and this, is, this is why I bring this up, is, is not just to say, isn't that inspiring? Isn't that awesome? Let's be like Lottie Moon. But, but because that's the heart of God. That's what it looks like to have the heart of God. That's what it looks like to be aligned with the heart of God. Because isn't that what Jesus did? Say, I will die for these people. I will give my life for these people. I will hunger and thirst for these people. See, she was showing us the heart of God. She didn't just do something and obey. She literally had the heart of God to care for people, to say, I've been saved to save. I've been loved to love. What would it look like if we had God's heart? What would it look like to live with God's heart? You know how powerful it is when you want something. When your heart is in it, when you actually want something, not just you know you're supposed to do it, but when you actually want something, you know what you can do. I mean, do Whole30, right? I mean, you don't, if you actually want whatever it is to lose weight or to be healthy, if you want that, Man, you will endure eating like a rabbit, right? To go, I want this. Or if, a marathon. Some of you are, have done marathons. And you wanted something. And you were willing to go through so much because you wanted it. Or maybe even just getting off early on a Friday. 
Like, man, I want that, and I'm willing to work extra hard or do extra, because you know how powerful it is when we want something. Not just when we know we're supposed to do it, not just when we're told to do it, but when we want it, when our heart's actually in it. That's why this is what God is after for us. That's why he wasn't done with Jonah when Jonah obeyed, because he wanted his heart. Because God knows that if our hearts are aligned with him, if we actually share his heart, he knows what would happen. He knows how powerful it is. What would happen in our what would happen in your life? What would happen in the life of our church if we actually had God's heart for those that don't know him, for those without friendship, for those in what if we actually had God's heart? It's powerful. Because then we want to. And we're energized and we're motivated and we can say like Lottie Moon, I wish I had a thousand lives so I could give them to people. To do that, we have to return over and over again to these two things that God shows Jonah. We have to see our own heart and be honest, be willing to confront it. And we have to see God's heart. And we see God's heart most clearly in Jesus. And to experience his heart, to actually feel it, to actually taste it, is to go again and look at him, God's great object lesson that's better than a plant dying. But it's his son. And to say, don't you see my son? Don't you see how much I care? This is why we take communion every week to remember. Don't you see what I've done? Don't you see my body broken, my blood shed? Don't you see how much I love you? Don't you see what I went through to bring you into my family? Don't you see? Don't you see my heart for you? We have to go over and over again, return to see our hearts and return to see his heart. And through that, that's what begins to change our hearts to align with his. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace to us, for your mercy, that you are a God that abounds in steadfast love, that you are a God that is patient and merciful and gracious. God, we thank you for that. We thank you that you want us not to just know the right facts and have all the truth lined up, but that you want us to taste, to taste your love, to taste your grace, to taste your mercy, to taste the fact that you relent from disaster by instead Jesus taking the disaster for us on the cross. So we thank you for your forgiveness. But I pray, Lord, even now as we sing these few songs and take communion, that you would allow us to experience this truth, to be real with our own hearts and to see yours. And to then go from here, God, and live in line with your heart. Oh, God, I pray that for our church. That even now, you convict anyone that does not share your heart. Help us to see where we are and help us to see who you are and change us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.